Maintaining the right perspective as we encounter enemies and problems in life. Next on Abounding Grace. If you saw Goliath, you would conclude that's a nine-foot man. That's a right conclusion. And you would conclude that he has hundreds of pounds of armor on him that weigh more than you do. That would be a right conclusion. You would listen to his words and go, wow, he has a big mouth. He's very loud. His words scare me. That would be the right conclusion. Those are all true statements, except that when you piece them together and come to the conclusion, I have no chance, you're wrong. Why? You have the wrong perspective. Think of that in your own situations today. Think of that of the problems and the enemies of your life. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Hi there, and welcome again to Abounding Grace. In thinking back to our Sunday school days, there were certain biblical stories our teachers would key in on. Jonah being swallowed by the great fish, Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac, Noah and the flood, and certainly David and Goliath topped the list. Here on our Friday broadcast, Pastor Ed Taylor will highlight this timeless story, which underscores the greatness and faithfulness of God and the importance of keeping the right perspective. Each of us will face giants in our lives. It's important to know how to handle it with faith, keeping our eyes in the right place. Here's Pastor Ed in 1 Samuel 17. When we lose perspective, fear so quickly grasps our heart and our minds. We're being set up for discouragement, for defeat and ultimately destruction. For David, he got it. In David's mind, as he began to think of, and, and, and you know, none of us really have that. I mean, I can only think of that guy that used to wrestle alligators. That's all I can, I mean, who has a testimony of going to the zoo and go, what'd you do? I went to the zoo, took care of a lion. Lion got loose at the zoo and they called me up and I just got him by, the, by his beard and slapped him on, I mean, I mean who, who has that kind of testimony? Very few people do that. But for David, God allowed these circumstances. How did he get them? By being faithful, just taking care of the sheep. All of his other brothers didn't have that responsibility. He had that responsibility. And he was faithful with it. Why? Because he wanted to obey his dad. And what did he get as a result? He got to take down a bear and a lion for just this moment. See, what you're going through right now is preparing you for what's up ahead. You might just say, I'm just going to feed the sheep. Oh, no, no, so much more than just taking care of sheep. You're learning how to be a shepherd, David. So much more than what you're learning, a much broader spiritual perspective of life. And he could look back and think, you know what? I see this guy, but I've taken on lions, dude. Who's this? And I've taken on bears. And he's just a kiddo, just a ruddy little kid. So from his past From God's past faithfulness in his life, he was able to develop the right perspective in front of Goliath. Because if we were looking at this, if this was, if we were in the audience, I'm certain that many of us, we're sizing up the situation, and we look at big Goliath and all his deal, and you look at this little kid, and you're like, poor kid. 
What do you think? Five minutes? What do you think? Ten minutes? But it wasn't poor kid. From God's perspective, it was poor Goliath. It wasn't, oh, poor kid, you're all set up to be, you know, poor kid, King Saul sent you out. No, 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 no. No. Poor Saul for being a coward, because I believe God could have given the victory through King Saul. He would have given the victory to any one of those men, one, that would stand up for righteousness. And you don't defy my God, and you don't defy the armies of Israel. And who are you, you uncircumcised, separated, God-hating man? That's what little David's... It's like, wow, that kid's got some gumption. No, no, no. He's got the right perspective. It wasn't David saying, poor me, I'm facing such a giant of a man. No, it's poor giant. He's facing such a giant of my eternal God. Perspective, it's so important. Would you turn over to Psalm 73 for a moment with me? Psalm 73. Perspective is so important. In Psalm 73, we see an example of this perspective. In verse 1, it says, Truly God is good to Israel, to such as pure in heart. But as for me, my feet almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the boastful, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, for there's no pains in their death. Their strength is firm. They're not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride serves as their necklace. Violence covers them with a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance. They have more than their heart could wish. They scoff, verse 8, and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walks through the earth. Therefore, as people return here, the waters of a full cup are drained by them. And they say, how does God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are, un are the ungodly who are always at ease. They increase in riches. Surely, as he perceives all around him and he's envious and he's upset and they, you know, basically what the psalmist is saying, you know, people that hate God get away with everything. They just seem to have the easiest life. They have the most stuff. And look at me. Look at me, and he's just making observations maybe you've made before. Where you look at a difficult time in your life, and you look around, and you go, man, I, I just don't, my, my neighbor, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't love God at all. But look, he's just got the new car, the new boat, they're always smiling, they're always partying. What is it if I live for God? What's the difference does it make? Well, it seems like the difference does it make is that if I live for God, I, I have hard life, and I have difficult life, and, and it's not fair, God. Verse 13, that's really his conclusion. Surely I've cleansed my heart in vain. I've ha washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I've been plagued and chastened every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. And when I thought of how to understand this, it was too painful for me. That was the end result. That was his perspective, just looking out. It sounds a lot like the book of Ecclesiastes. Just looking at the reality of life and what's the point and what's the use. That attitude of, man, when I wasn't, when I wasn't saved, things seemed to be easier and, and it seemed to be less hard. And I just forget it. I'm, I've cleansed my heart in vain. It's all a waste of time following God. Maybe that's what the Lord of the Lord is for you. You came here or you're listening right now. You're just like, what's the use? Well, you have the wrong perspective. You're looking at things wrong. 
Your eyes are in the wrong place. How do I know that? Well, look at verse 17. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. That's the right perspective. And the rest of the psalm goes on to describe the truth. I have in my Bible, I have the word understood underlined twice. Where does understanding come? By by in the sanctuary of the Lord. Don't think of that in some physical place in this building. I'm not referring to this room that we call the sanctuary. I'm speaking of that place of being with the Lord. That sanctuary, that place of safety. When you no longer rely upon what you see or what you feel or what appears. Of course, if you saw Goliath, you would conclude that's a nine-foot man. That's a right conclusion. And you would conclude that he has hundreds of pounds of armor on him that weigh more than you do. That would be a right conclusion. You would listen to his words and go, wow, he has a big mouth. He's very loud. His words scare me. That would be the right conclusion. Those are all true statements. Except that when you piece them together and come to the conclusion, I have no chance, you're wrong. Why? You have the wrong perspective. Think of that in your own situations today. Think of that of the problems and the enemies of your life. Which perspective are you looking? Have you come into the sanctuary of the Lord so that you might understand? Have you sought the Lord so you might understand? Maybe you've sought the counsel of friends. They can't give you full understanding. And maybe you have looked at one of those books or you you have flipped on a self-help channel and you find that that doesn't help you. And maybe other people's stories are encouraging to you, but that's someone else's faith and someone else's relationship. See, true understanding comes through your personal relationship. Like, like you'll never get understanding if you don't have a relationship with God. That's only going to confuse you more. You're just like, whoa, I don't know what to feel, and I don't know what, and what am I supposed to do? And for the very same feelings, as a born-again believer, the Bible says that your eyes that were blinded, they now see and your ears that didn't hear before, they now hear. That, that what you weren't able to understand before in God, that's where understanding comes. And there's an answer to what's on your heart today. There's understanding available to you. But I plead with you to have the right perspective. Problems seem to overwhelm us but only because our perspective is different than what it really should be until I went into the sanctuary of the Lord. You see, the perspective is, makes all the difference. Verse 38 now. Saul clothed David with his armor and he put a bronze helmet on his head and he clothed him with a coat of mail. And David fastened his sword to his armor and he tried to walk for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. This would be a great Bible study to talk to those of you that serve in ministry, have a desire to minister, because it's beautiful. It's a beautiful picture. It could be that Saul's a little embarrassed that he's not going into battle, and he's sending a little kid to go fight his fights. So, you know, if I'm going to send a little kid, he has more courage than me, at least he can take my armor You know, protect him. Poor guy. Maybe that was armor. I'll buy him another five minutes. And David puts them on, I believe respectfully, but his Saul's armor didn't fit David. That's what this is saying here. It didn't fit. So it was laid aside. 
because David couldn't go into battle poorly fitted. Now, of course, we could take this, this section of scripture and teach on spiritual warfare, about the armor of God. You can't go into battle without the right spiritual armor. And we can also take this section of scripture and teach it that when you go into ministry, you can't serve in ministry like someone else. You're not someone else. You can't wear their armor. You're not them. God has called you and uniquely gifted you to do what God has called you to accomplish so that when you compare yourself with other people, the Bible calls that foolish. It's not wise. You are who you are by the grace of God, and that's something to celebrate, not be discouraged by. It's something to develop spiritually, to grow in maturity, not to be upset because so-and-so is doing such-and-such, and you're not. It's not your armor. It's not your armor. Take it off and lay it aside. You're not that person. I often see this as a pastor where I watch men and women serve in the ministry trying to be someone else. And, and, and I think everyone goes through it. I certainly did. I didn't, I didn't know what God is. God was developing my own personality and my responsibility in ministry. I only had models to follow. I had great models to follow, and I followed them. My pastor Jeff is a great model to follow. My pastor Chuck, great model to follow. Pastor Rudy, who served with me, great. I had great models to follow. But God wanted me to be me and to be satisfied. I would often teach a Bible study, and I guess sometimes I still do. And then I'd turn on the radio and hear Chuck Swindoll, and I'd just shake my head. Ed, you are horrible. You don't know how to, he'll teach the same passage that I taught. And I'm like, oh man, oh, just hang it up. And just play a DVD of Chuck Swindoll, man, and just be encouraged. But you know what? I'm not Chuck Swindoll. I'll never be Chuck Swindoll. And over the years, I don't want to be Chuck Swindoll. I'm happy for him. And I'm thankful for him. God used that brother in my life, and he still does. I think of the glorious outpouring of the Holy Spirit through Pastor Chuck and being able to see a revival in Southern California and watching God do what he did. And I, I would sit there and, and just watch him. He could just quote the Bible with, without ever opening on. He'd be sitting right here and just talking through the scriptures. And I, I just, I'll sit through a Bible study for him. And I'm just like, oh, that, that, that man, Lord, if, if only I could be. And the Lord would say, but you're not. You're not. You are who you are. And the quicker you can grasp and appreciate who you are, you will set aside someone else's armor, even if someone's tried to put it on you. The, the, the fortunate opportunity I have to serve with people here, uh, the men on staff, some of the men that have gone on to plant their own churches, they, they, they are, they, and serve in even other churches and go off in, around the country. It's very, I'm very careful. I don't want them leaving trying to be me. I don't want them trying to be me here. I want them to be who they are. That's where the diversity of the ministry comes from. That, that's where it's a beautiful thing of what God uses Pastor Aaron with his personalities there and Pastor Joel and Pastor Joel and Jason and Matt and the uniqueness of ministry with Michael down with the kids or Pastor Ian here leading in worship and all the, like we don't, we, we, we need to be who we are. God has ordained that. He has made you who you are and, and we don't need a bunch of copycats because then you're really not who you are. And you're just trying to be like man. You don't want to be like man. Set the armor aside. Let it, you know, don't, don't try to copy someone. Be yourself. Let God develop you. Grow you. Um, you're uniquely created. Remember Jeremiah was told, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I sanctified you. And I ordained you a prophet to the nations. If Jeremiah tried to be anything other than a prophet to the nations, he would have been disobedient. God made him a prophet. 
as hard as it was. Those of you that know, Jeremiah had a hard ministry. Uh, for most church planting magazines and websites and blogs, they would look at Jeremiah's ministry and consider him an absolute failure because he didn't see one convert throughout his whole ministry. Not one except that they would be measuring ministry by the wrong metrics. That's a big word in the church today, metrics. And all the measurements and how many people are in the seats and how big is your sanctuary and how big is your budget. Listen, how faithful are you to God? Because that's the measurement that God is looking. Be faithful to the Lord. And, and I tell pastors all the time, I tell them because this is something I had to grow through. When you look out in a sanctuary and you see empty chairs and you see a few people filling some chairs and the rest of them are empty, you are at a place of great decision. Will you be faithful to the Lord and love the people that he's entrusted to you or will you bellyache and whine and cry about the chairs that aren't filled? How you make that decision will say much about your ministry because if you lay the heavy on all the people there, well, I can't believe, look around at the empty chairs. How dare you not invite someone to church? You bunch of, oh, you know, that's where all that, you beat the sheep and you know what? When you beat the Lord's sheep, he replaces you as shepherd. That's not, we, we're supposed to care for the sheep. We're not supposed to count them and be all worried unless, you know, I think there is a counting. I want to be careful there. There is a counting because if you have 101 goes away, you're supposed to leave the 99 and so there is a sense that you're taking care of the flock and you're knowing the state of the flock, but you're not counting them so that when you go to the next pastor's conference. I remember the first time somebody asked me, hey, what are you running, Ed? I'm like, what? Am I a bookie? Or like, what do you mean? <laughs> running numbers? Like, what does that mean? I didn't even know what it meant. And, and the pastor's just like, how many people come to your church? And, you know, you, when, whenever you hear of a pastor's conference, and even as we're praying, aren't we? We're praying for this pastor's breakfast coming up. And when you're gathering pastors, it can be one of the most discouraging time for pastors. Because discussions can become, you know, how big's your church? And how is it growing? And, and what's this? And then maybe even some, they're, they're wanting to express what the Lord is doing. And just look at this. And look what God is doing. Instead, of, instead, we have to be very careful just to encourage one another in the Lord. And not to, you know, as you're praying, you know, today we were praying uh, for the pastors on the list. It was, hey, pray that some of the questions on their hearts get answered. And sometimes some of those questions are, why isn't my church growing? What happened to the families that left? Why, why does the church that just started down the street seem to grow by thousands and, and I've been laboring? You know, sometimes those are the questions. How can I improve in my teaching when I have to work for 40 or 50 hours a week in order to put food on the table for my family? Questions like, how can I reach my city? You know, pray that those questions will be answered, that they'll be answered from the Lord. And you can't wear someone else's armor. You know, Paul is a hero of mine in the scriptures, but I won't be a Paul. I'm going to be an Ed. It's not going to be Pastor Chuck Swindoll, it's Pastor Ed. But I'm satisfied. And I want to see what God wants to do with a guy named Pastor Ed. I want to see it. I want to be it. I want to walk in his wisdom. I don't want to be tripped up and hear some wonderful... And I do. I hear these messages and I'm just like, man, they just... That was amazing. The Lord, not only did the Lord speak to me, but the way they put it together and that insight that they got there. And, and instead of being bummed out, just celebrate of the faithfulness of God. It's just a celebration God is doing a great work and he's using great men and, and he's, he's using the body of Christ to reach the world. And so here King Saul, he puts the armor on, 
on David, and David being respectful, he puts it on and finds out, you know, this doesn't fit. I'm not going to be able to fight in King Saul's armor. And we don't have time. We'll have to finish the chapter next time, and we'll develop. Uh, we'll, we'll bring out some other um, great insights. I don't want to rush through them. But as we leave David here, we leave David in a, with the right perspective, and he's not going to put armor on, is he? Those of you that read ahead, he's not going to face Goliath with armor. And you can read ahead to the rest of the chapter and just pray through it. Maybe the Holy Spirit will speak to you the next time we're in 1 Samuel together as maybe he'll speak to you long before I have anything. You know, when you learn anything in a Bible study, you know who taught it to you? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the teacher. And the vessel or the mechanism for that uh, is a, a pastor or a teacher that's been anointed and gifted by God. But whenever you and I learn something, whenever we grow in God's grace through Bible study, uh, whenever you just pick up your Bible in the morning and your devos just bless you, you can give thanks to the Lord by giving, him, giving you his Holy Spirit to lead you into all truth. The Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth and teach you the things and bring to remembrance the things that you've been taught. The Holy Spirit will bring illumination to the scriptures where at once it looks dark, but then by the Holy Spirit just going, no, this is not only what it says, this is what it means, and this not only is what it means, but it's what it means for you. That's a work of the Holy Spirit each and every single time. That's why you can depend upon the work of the Holy Spirit. You can ask God for wisdom. He'll give to you when he you ask. And we don't need to go into battle with someone else's armor. Even if they try to put it on us, just say, no, thank you. No, thank you. I'm going to go in the strength of the Lord. I'm going to pick up a few rocks um, because I know God has shown me in the past he's faithful. He's faithful to me right now. So whatever I'm walking into, I'm going to walk into with what? Or with who? A faithful God. And one of the things we're going to learn is the battle belongs to the Lord. That will be next time. You're listening to Abounding Grace with pastor and Bible teacher Ed Taylor. Today's message is one part of a series based in 1 Samuel. You'll find this and many other messages taught by Ed at calvaryaurora.org or request a CD copy for $2 when you call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. And if you haven't already, be sure to download the Calvary Aurora and the Grace FM Colorado apps. You can listen to Pastor Ed and many other teachers from your mobile device, available on all platforms. Ed, you picked out a book written by Pastor Chuck as our featured resource. How might this benefit our listeners' lives? Well, first, Larry, I want to introduce our listeners. Some may not know of Pastor Chuck Smith, but Pastor Chuck Smith is the man that God used in the late 60s uh, to begin a movement, a revival called Calvary through the ministry of Calvary Chapel, part of the larger revival known as the Jesus Movement. And, and our family of churches comes from Calvary Chapel, and God has used Pastor Chuck Smith in our lives in incredible ways. And I always am encouraged when I can recommend one of his resources. Uh, and this month, we want to recommend the book Love, The Most Excellent Way. And, and it's just a book on the depth of the love of God for us and how we then return that love of God to, to, to him and to others. I mean, the, the very glue that holds society together, the very glue that holds the church together is love. And I know that there, there really isn't another author that both exemplified mercy, grace, and love 
and wrote on it or taught on it like Pastor Chuck Smith. So please do, whether you get this book on Kindle or you support us through the ministry, please, please do get this book. Add it to your library. It'll be one you read every year. It's just going to be one of those books that you read every year. I know I read it a couple times a year uh, because I, I want to be reminded of the love of God. I want to live in the love of God. I want to exemplify God's love. And there's always room to grow in that area. And by the way, one more thing. There is a brand new free app of all kinds of resources from Pastor Chuck Smith. It's the Word for Today app. And go to your app store and just put in the words, the Word for Today, and all kinds of resources, Bible studies, uh, pamphlets, uh, videos, conferences, you name it. They put it all together, and it's all free. So grab it while you can, the Word for Today app. You'll be blessed. When you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more, we'll send you a copy of Love the Most Excellent Way with our thanks. Call us right now at 877-30-GRACE or write to Abounding Grace, Post Office Box 460598, Aurora, Colorado, 80046. And then be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from the book of 1 Samuel. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Chapel, Aurora.